0: Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. Ooh, how's life going? Did you, did you get a happy haircut?
1: No, I just washed it. No, I went through. My, I went through oh. my uh, <laughs> my what is this? Uh, what is it? Was it June? I want to date the show. Oh, this show needs to be evergreen, so I'm not going to say the date. But we're recording this in June, so yeah, I went through <laughs> my what is this uh, quarterly grooming and uh, i wash my hair
0: yeah well it's nice change my it's shirt more, too
1: it's more fluffy last one was starting to really stink
0: <laughs> you know you never got past that 11-year-old yeah. 11-year-old boy face
1: yeah well it's 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 like a car you got to change the oil occasionally that's
0: how i feel about my scalp oh <laughs> oh that makes me sick i'm a little bit sick i can't uh, I won't even go to the grocery store or anything like in the morning when my wife used to make cakes for people, she'd get up really early and, and start making cakes so that they could be fresh. And she would be like, Hey, we're, we're, I'm out of eggs. I I need more eggs. Cause I'm finishing up this wedding cake or something that's supposed to be due in like two hours. I need you to run to the store. And I'd say, yeah, right after I shower, <laughs> And she's like, no, just throw in a hat and go. No, mm-mm, I can't. Can't do it. No. Can't do it. The public must not see me this way. Right. If I can stay in my car, like I've taken my son to school before without a shower, and I still like put on a hat and like put on my sunglasses and try not to look at people in the face. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) So, so yeah, like you're sending cringes through my body with with this oil change of your hair. (laughs) Ugh.
1: Oh man. Well, it's it's uh it's something like every 6 months or what, 5 miles worth of walking. <laughs> Whatever comes first.
0: <laughs> That's when you want to change it. Yeah, and and you stand in one place for a living, so 5 mm-hmm. miles is a long it's, way out. Yeah, got, uh, <laughs> got that sedentary life. Yeah. Oh man. How's everything else been going other than the hair washing? Well, that was an endeavor, for
1: sure. I, mean, I had to really get in there. I'm sure it takes a while. You, you gotta wash twice to get all that grease. out. Oh, man. This is so bad. I can't own this. Like, I can't, this can't be, this can't be who I am. <laughs> Chris is known
0: for his oily hair.
1: No, the because the, 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 the truth is, like, I take probably two showers a day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's all right. When we're at Elixir Comp, I'm going to bring a little hot griddle and be like, "Hey Chris, can you can you come over here? My eggs are sticking to my griddle, and I, I need some some of your hair no, juice." No, you
1: don't want to use oil
0: for eggs. You want to go butter. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Come on now, this butter. is amateur hour. So I so I, I well, let's talk about making eggs. So I use butter or bacon grease if I have. Mm. It, one no, of baking the bacon grease is is the real pro move. It, it is, and then when it's almost done like i'll you know i like over easy eggs um mm-hmm. i just i like all the white done i don't want any gooey you want white. them over you also want them easy little yeah. little, little little runny but i little found runny. out i found out recently how to how to cook the whites completely how's that without cooking the yellow and without flipping it over turn the temperature down well that works too except for then like sometimes half of your but your yolk impatient. Yeah, well, half the yolk will be cooked through, Mm, and mm -hmm. the top still won't be done. So, when it's almost done, I get like I don't know. I'm going to say a thimble amount of water, Mm -hmm. and pour it into the pan, and then put a lid on it. Oh, and it steams the top of the egg, Mm -hmm. and then you just take it out. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. It works great. So that's what I've been doing lately. That's a that's a life hack. Yeah. I mean done. We just offered million dollar advice. There's your it's, content everyone. It's time to walk out. We'll see you yep. next time.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: we we got rid of the end show credits so do we ever have end we, show credits? we've never had end show we, credits? I th- no. I thought like the first episode nope. or two we did. No, nope, nope. we just cut the it. The
1: first I uh, the first 3 episodes the only thing that's different it's like the first, maybe four, I think just three, maybe four episodes, you sp- said the title of the podcast. And then podcast. you did. No. And now I, I've, now I think- I've never recorded that. But you, you for like wow. the first two, you actually said the title out loud. Like we would pick a title and oh, then you the, would
0: the, say it. The, the episode title. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. Yep.
1: That was the that. thing. And then the first episode, you tried to make some... What was it called?
0: Picks? You tried picks. to make that happen. I, I, yeah, I just tried to. But throw that, that was on not going to happen. Yeah, just got to pull some of that out of the blue sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. No, you got to try I, things. You got to uh, try we, things. You got to know we, what
0: works. We also had really horrible sound quality, and now it's slightly better. <laughs> 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 yeah, whatever. Yeah,
1: it was worse even. So, but so earnest. But so earnest. I'd like to think. You know, I I'd like
0: to think it was earnest. I, I we're just having a good time. I think I've always we still, had a good time. We still are, right? So uh, that's what it's all about. So it's I'm about not, me having a good time, right? It's and I mean, if that that's happens what, to that's, coincide
1: that's, with other people's good time, then that works out too, right? That's why Anna and I ever show up
0: is just to try to give you a good time. Yep, that's, <laughs> that's that was it's, what was in the contract. That's the name of the game. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the contract, yeah, the uh.
1: social contract.
0: Oh, oh, the, okay. See, it's we like, live in what? a
1: society, Amos.
0: There are rules. Why, why, why do we have rules? I mean, half the time we don't follow them. Um, I'm really trying to figure out where the rules are in the forum because I've started to. Why get have you started looking at the forum? That? You I don't. I don't know.
1: I went. I. I like. I want to give back. I do. I go to the forum. So that you don't have to.
0: <laughs> I want to give back to the community. I f- feel like... The forum is not the... is Not the- <laughs> not the place. Well, well I okay. mean, it's not the only place. Actually, I think this this leads into a good talk, right? Okay, so I want to give back to the community. And uh, I've been working with Tesla. Mm-hmm. And Tesla, I have to use Digest auth. But I also need it to run async with hackney. So I'm trying to do an async request. And when I put in the digest auth that's built into Tesla. Uh, I get an exception. And I think that's, I, I was like, well, I need, I need to go in and, and figure this out and fix it. And at first I just put in a, an issue cause I didn't really feel like I had the time and especially to learn the internals of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been, been super busy on lots of other work and then uh, uh, the other day I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I was talking to uh, Brian Paxton, um, Paxton, Paxton, Peyton, Paxton. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Brian. Uh, he's on er- Erling Elixir Foundation with me uh, and uh, Paxton and works at uh, WM Engineering.
1: You got it. See, you got it right. Yeah, You got yeah, it right the first
0: time and then you yeah. second guessed yourself. I know. I shouldn't do that. I'm, I'm always right the first
1: <laughs> no, time. No, go with your gut.
0: I say, yeah. you know, and just uh, plow forward. So, so Brian for the show comes out, and he's at WM uh, Engineering. WM Engineering, yep, nice. <laughs> so, so Brian, um, you know, he he came to the community through Elixir, like that was his introduction, and then kind of fell in love with Erlang. And uh, he looked, and and when I started talking to him about my problem, and he said, "Hey, uh, I'd love to help you out. Let's let's l- let me look at some stuff. I'll." I'll be back a little later, and then he sends me a link um, that there is a an issue on the roadmap for Hackney that says to include digest auth in Hackney, and um, I've done a little bit of Erlang um, list comprehensions in Erlang. Still, every once in a while, I look at them and I'm like, "What's going on?" Oh, that's a list comprehension. Um, But other than that, I I get the syntax, and um, I. He's like, so if you just do this in Hackney, then they can take advantage of it and help that ecosystem. Um, so like when, when to reach for um digging down to Erling or when to reach for Elixir and, and at best places to help the community are things that I struggle with.
1: Yeah. I don't know that I have a good rubric. Because I hold a bunch of these things in tension in my mind, and I think they're all—it's all complicated. And open source specifically is complicated, mm-hmm. and so I don't—I have very mixed emotions about how I feel about open source just generally. Yeah, like and what, what maintainers and what we as users of ostensibly free software, what we owe, and 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 if anything, and also what maintainers owe, if anything. Yeah. and how that relationship works, I, think, I kind of feel like we
0: owe a thank you.
1: I don't. And if I mean, we give yeah, anything sure.
0: else, a maintainer, I, I, I mean, as a maintainer of things too, a thank you is awesome. And if you give anything else, I'm just really ecstatic.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely, and especially because we're such a small community, um, mm-hmm. you have a there's a lot more personal touch that goes into these things, and that cuts both ways. Uh, it, it both makes it harder when you hurt people's feelings and it or if you're overly critical. Yeah. Uh, and it makes it easier to be um, become friends with people uh, because there's just not as much noise. That's true. But at, at the same time, like, I look at all the stuff that I've worked on, none of which is in Erlang, some of which might have been better suited to be in Erlang because then you can take more advantage of things. Like I think some, I don't remember who said this, but someone from Erlang basically made the, took the position early on that all Elixir people should be writing their libraries as Erlang libraries and then wrapping them with Elixir and then publishing them that way. Uh, And the reason for that was because then everybody could easily take advantage of it. And so, like, that's an argument some people can make. At the same time, like, nah, like, not nah, dog. Like, that's not what I'm gonna do. Like, that's that's this is my time. Like, I get to choose where I want to spend it. And I don't know that there's like a value. I think almost certainly, if you wrote if you took a thing and wrote it as an Erlang lib first and then wrapped it with Elixir, like that is more useful. Is that I, think worth, the, I, I think- like I'm not gonna tell you that that you, that you need to do that because I'm certainly not gonna do that.
0: I have no interest in doing that. Well, I that. think the I think the interface to the library would end up looking different because of that. Well, I mean, who cares? Like I just well, I mean, let's like I'm not
1: even going to get past like step 0 wherein <laughs> like you know, well, here's here's the deal. If you really feel that way, you can come over here and mow my lawn on Saturday and then you can tell me how to spend my time. Like that's how I feel <laughs> about that.
0: That's that's hilarious. I don't know. I guess But but in terms of, like,
1: where are you going to spend your time on this specific problem? I mean, I think, first of all, I don't know what obligations you may or may not have to to give back anything. If you're trying to find a way to give back, if that's a thing that's valid and important to you, then, yeah, maybe doing that as, like, a patch to the underlying library is useful, because then everybody does get to take advantage of it. Um, But I also think that there's some amount of, like... It's your time. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, this is a really thorny, very, very thorny, like, conversation because it's all value judgments. And it's value of people's time and energy and efforts and all that kind of stuff. And I just don't know that I have good answers for it. Because I think at the end of the day, like, it's just complicated. Like, we are taking advantage of people's, like, time and effort to build open source things. And part of that con like social contract is that you ostensibly give back. I think where you choose to give back is, um, is, is fairly up to you. I don't think anybody gets to say that necessarily. I don't think there's a
0: value judgment there. I don't think that you'll give back. Well, if you are giving in a place that you feel obligated, but don't really want your heart's not in it. Right. So if you love Erlang, Mm -hmm. Give back in that space. If you love Elixir and you never really want to spend your time in Erlang, then give back in that space. But I guess where I struggle currently with my um, issue with uh, Tesla and Hackney is that, as Brian pointed out, you know, if if I put it into Hackney, like Hackney already has an issue for it. If I put it in there, then Tesla gets to take advantage of it. But at the same time, For what I'm working on, I think I would like to use Tesla instead of Hackney directly. So if I put it in Hackney, then I also have to go into Tesla and make Tesla take advantage of the new feature in Hackney. So I have to deal with two different projects to try to get it moving. And so it's like, well, I can. Yeah, I I think that putting it in the Erlang long term is probably a really good idea. Except for that, Tesla can also use multiple backends. So right. if I put it there, then it's only good for the Hackney backend, um, which I just thought about just now. But if I put it in the Elixir, I prob I possibly get to take advantage of it a lot faster because I only have to deal with one library. I think that's uh, fine.
1: I, I mean, I, I like. I mean, this is it's your life and your kinda. time. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't think I don't think these the way I'd I like kind of think both. about the way I kind of think about that social contract is like you're giving back. Like this is you trying to get back wherever you spend that time. And if it's not valuable to spend it there, then the it's like incumbent upon the maintainer to like tell you that like, nah, this is not what we want to do. Um, we're going to like, the worst thing that happens is like you put a pull request together and you send it to, um, to the, the maintainers of Tesla and then they go, nah. We're gonna wait till this gets like adopted by Hackney, and then we'll just use that. So then you're out yeah. some time, which is still like way less time than they've spent like working on their library. So it's probably like not that big a deal. And you can always like ask those people, like, I'm gonna do this. Is that cool? Or like, is this the direction you want to go? And I think that's like very reasonable too. Like, that's a very very reasonable request of, hey, this is the problem I'm, I'm facing. Here's how I'd like to solve it. Is that in line? with what y'all are wanting to do with this library the where where i think that isn't a reasonable request is if you showed up and you're like i have this problem fix it for me please like that's kind of screwed up because it's like that's not (laughs) like like that's just not how the social contract works
0: yeah like i i think i think it's okay to put it in an issue though even if you're not going to be able to be the one that fixes it. Like I you- think yeah, there's a difference between like submitting an issue that is
1: like this, you know, there's a problem here and and what I see a lot which is like when are you going to fix this? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's an implicit like demand from the community like you need to support this. You need to do this. Like it is time like you need to you need to support these things or whatever. And that's screwed up because that's not how that works.
0: Yeah, I I definitely That gets that well, gets back just... to the
1: cutting my lawn thing. Like you can come <laughs> over here and cut my lawn and then tell me how to spend my time.
0: Yeah, if That's if a totally you fair things... trade for
1: in my opinion.
0: Yeah. But you're going to need a weedy. Well, I don't know. I have I have a boy that's old enough to mow and so <laughs> he doesn't I he can cut my yard, but I'm not going to let him tell me how to spend my time either. <laughs> <laughs> But he asked me if he can cut the yard. I'm not like forcing him out there. Although I don't know, when I was a kid, I was forced out there, and I think it was good for me. But <laughs> yeah, he loves it, and uh, I really appreciate it. And he just get, he's getting better and better all the time. So I hope he hears me. He's over here in this room. I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but does that mean, does that make sense though? Like I I think that there's like a really substantial difference between. Submitting an issue in good faith and being like, "Hey, this is a thing that I saw. Like, I don't really know how to fix it. Just FYI, this, there's like a bug here." I think that's like very reasonable. Yeah, I think it can quickly become unreasonable when you start to when you start to impose like, "Hey, support this," or "Go fix it," or "You do this," or whatever. Yeah, like
0: that's that's ridiculous. So I think I've decided from just from our little talk is that. I'm gonna talk to the the people that maintain Tesla, and Tiaman,
1: T- Tiaman, T- 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 yeah, Tiaman.
0: I'm, T- I'm gonna go into that issue and start up a conversation with him about how can I fix this since it looks like he re- he after I put in the bug report and got it explained out, he messaged included the person who had done the um, the original digest off. Uh, which it doesn't actually look like it's a problem with the digest off. It looks like it's the hackney adapter now that I have some errors. And that guy said, hey, I I don't, I'm not doing this, Uh, which is fine. So I think I'm going to reach out to them and say, hey, I would like to do this. I'm not sure how if someone, because I want to make sure that I I don't break any other part of the library. And I, I really hate putting a lot of time into putting together a PR just to find out that, uh, we're not going to take this at all, you know, not mm-hmm. even like it needs a little change, but we're not taking this at all. Mm-hmm. So, so to try to work with them closely, get this done, because that I think will give me the advantage right away. But I would still like to take whatever knowledge I gain there and then go add to Hackney too, because sure. I think, that's great. I, think, I think that would be cool. And Benoit is doing Hackney also friend of the show. I'm going to say it friend of the show, Benoit. He, um, so I'm going to, I think he'll be helpful. Yeah, I think that's
1: great. Anything anywhere you want to contribute is fine. I think you, you know, and that goes I mean that goes for everybody. Like anywhere you think that like you want to contribute is great. You just have to really frame it. You have to actually contribute. Like contributing doesn't look like submitting feature requests. That's not contributing. Right.
0: That's actually the opposite of contributing. I I think submitting bugs though is contributing. Even if you're not fixing them, if you're bringing to attention a bug to me, Like that makes me really happy. Somebody gave me a bug, especially if it was well thought out, but like man has all the information I need to solve the problem. But even if they can't go that far, like maybe some people I've been on projects where I've worked on something and need to submit a bug report. And I didn't even really know what to tell them. Like Mm -hmm. I had this exception. I don't even know how I got here. Sorry. What information do you want from me? Right. (laughs) Those are, are great ways to give back. Period. That's a great way to give back. I mean, there's tons of ways to
1: give back. Writing docs uh, is the thing we've talked about before, and that's the thing that comes up a lot. Um, getting involved in a project, you know, uh, it, and, you're, and also your contributions don't have to be code. You know, right. your your contributions can be, I don't know, like writing a blog or, mm-hmm. I don't know, creating a podcast or just like promoting, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, that can be your contribution.
0: Yeah,
1: Like that yeah. can be the thing that you do and there's a ton of market go out there and like join the eef yep uh you know like there's there's all you just start up like a local meetup like there's tons and tons of ways to want to contribute to the
0: community like i really want to contribute to nerves development because i really like working in nerves and haven't really had the time to do it so one thing that i started doing is they have a I can't. It's not Patreon, but it's like Patreon. Open collective. Open, open collective. Yeah, and so I I started giving money every month. So that's another way. If if you don't have the time, the knowledge, the energy to put into it, yeah, maybe maybe you and have it the doesn't,
1: money. It doesn't need to be a big lift. I mean, and also it doesn't. It needs a, you do whatever you feel compelled to do, like and don't and don't judge yourself based on how you're doing based on some other perceived thing. I mean, we tend to elevate we tend to elevate like Herculean effort as an industry. We tend Mm -hmm. to reward a lot of like one-offs and just like monumental effort and a lot of like sleepless nights and all that BS. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And just, I think that's an industry wide problem. And, and so, you know, unfortunately I think we tend to elevate the people who like contribute the most or write the most code or sling the most like pull requests or whatever. But that's like, that's, I mean, and that's bad.
0: <laughs> right. Just to
1: be clear, like that's not a good metric to use. So, I mean, but like that's the thing is like don't don't hold yourself to that. Like contribute in the ways that make the most sense, well, and contribute in the ways that you feel led to contribute. Like if you if you feel compelled, if you really love this thing, which I mean, like that's the other funny thing, right? Like it's a it's a programming language, but like we all the, like what makes it interesting is the community of people around it, and the and the people that you, you get invested with and like the cool things that you can build. Mm -hmm. And so there's something to be said about just getting excited about that and telling people like, that's a contribution.
0: Yeah. So I, I kind of want to go back to this, um, the Herculean effort and, and, or the star programmers, star developers getting, Mm, getting all the credit. Uh, I, it's a, I don't know. I think it's a little bit of a society problem that we, we also have a tendency to support the, programmer who looks like a lone wolf like oh look how awesome they are on their own but but they're it's it's really about having a a, the star star developer can't be the star developer without a team that supports them Mm -hmm. um and and typically cleaning up their mess (laughs) yeah yeah, i mean frankly like i mean like
1: uh, literally like every situation i've been in and every job where you had somebody who was like The, you know, that, like, the quote-unquote canonical, like, 10x whatever BS, they were always the ones slinging code, and the majority of the time, it was everybody else who was coming up behind them trying to clean up their mess. Yeah. And those
0: people don't get rewarded at all. like Well, and even if you're not cleaning up mess, just, uh, because, yeah, that's one thing that I see happen a lot, too, but, um... Is just you're contributing ideas and those ideas. Even, even if you don't have the technical chops to, to execute an idea, just the fact that you're slinging them around in the same room uh, makes a good thing. I've watched amazing developers who actually are writing great code that you're not cleaning up after mm-hmm. switch teams and then be terrible because they don't have that same support and teamwork that they had going. Uh, Heck, and and it goes outside of our industry. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, uh, architect, right? Mm -hmm. He was in Chicago and doing great things and amazing things, and then he decided to move out east and start his own thing. And at that point, he had a lot of years where he did like crap work and no work, and then he actually ended up getting um, interns. And mm-hmm. he refused to pay them and treated them like crap. But then his work started going back up because he was using all of that input from those people. Right. That,
1: well, um, that's the thing is like, you need a, you need an assortment of, of different types of humans and, you know, getting a whole room filled with lots of like really opinionated, like quote unquote rock stars is not going to necessarily gonna take you in a good direction. Right. Because there's no one left to do the work. And like I've definitely seen people come in where you try to have like reason design, but if someone is just like off doing their thing, they'll just sling code. And at the end of the day, like the way that that, that transaction typically plays out is whoever gets code committed first mm-hmm. is the design you go with. And that's uh. you know what I mean? Like that's that's where you end up in like a pretty rough situation. So if you just happen to like be faster at typing code and like slinging stuff out, mm-hmm. then yeah, you're like, you'll typically win the majority of arguments just because that's how that goes. Yeah. And then you leave no room for the people who kind of like want to be more methodical or whatever. Like you have to build time into your life and you have to build your teams around this idea that it's a collaborative effort. Like you win as a team, you lose as a team Uh, regardless of the team structure and the project and whatever else. And regardless of like who you have on that team.
0: So what has been some things that you have seen that are help build teams in that way successfully? Have you, have you seen anything work that way?
1: I think, I think if you can align your team around the idea that you have a thing that you're building, like you have a goal, then that goes a long way and to some degree that means giving people autonomy uh which is hard to do uh, yeah. a lot of businesses really really struggle with that with and and frankly like a lot of programmers take a lot of advantage of that of that autonomy i mean frankly they just do it's true a lot of developers just find like the problem they want to solve and then misuse their autonomy yeah and that's like where you get these like bike shed arguments, and like you get all these sort of like I made these design decisions because so you have, but you have like, to be that, that able often
0: to- fights teamwork too,
1: right? Exactly. Well, yeah. If you're breaking APIs because it's like, well, I liked it better this way. Well, now you just like slowed everybody else down, which is not awesome. If you have a like, in, in and all- and the other thing is like, well, anyway, I'll come back to that. I won't pop a stack on that one in a minute, but put a pin in 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 that discussion because uh, I have I have a whole thought about that, but like. <laughs> I think, I think if you can align your team around a goal, like a real goal, not like some Kanban board filled with tickets that are all disjointed. <laughs> I mean, like, like no, like, you know, Kanban's fine. Like, like, lean manufacturing is, like, absolutely, like, what we should be sort of driving towards. Mm-hmm. But at least in lean manufacturing, you have a freaking goal. It's build a car. Like, you know <laughs> what your goal is, right? Like, I'm the person who, like, makes sure that the, the paint gets on the right car parts, right? Right. So that's fine. But you need a goal. And I think that there's a certain amount of, you know, like, you need to be able to say to people, go take that hill. Like, I don't care how you go take the hill, but go take the hill. Like, y'all figure that out. Give people autonomy to go do that. Which means you need people you can trust. You need, like, a team that can, like, delegate that work internally. But that helps a ton. That helps everybody, like, laser focus on the goal. And if you're constantly interrupting with, like, disjointed feature requests and whatever, you have to make it really clear why that stuff is like valuable to the business mm-hmm. because otherwise people can't focus on it and they just turn into sort of these like i mean they, they just turn into like you know a, co- a
0: cog where they're like well, okay well let's it, turn it, give me a never-ending stream of jira tickets and i will complete them and you become reactionary and mm-hmm. instead of uh proactive and that that leads into your design that leads into your exactly. bugs, that leads into everything. Well and the
1: design thing is real because most of the time if you just have a never-ending stream of Jira tickets that are all disjointed and have nothing to do with each other, you don't know how to carry forth like a good design on that. You're just gonna do right. it however like you you could you've done it before. You're just gonna pull from your last experience where you built Jira ticket B, uh, and you're gonna do it again. You're not gonna think through that process. Because at the end of the day, that's like not what the economic incentives of your
0: life are. So one of the best teams I ever worked on, What we we uh, tried to get rid of the disjoint thing, and what we did was we still had a Kanban board, mm-hmm. but we had four, I'm going to call them swim lanes, you know, rows. Yeah, that's what those are called. That go, go across <laughs> there. Well, instead of the columns, yeah, the rows. Sure. And one of them was like developer driven, do whatever the developers want to do. So they would be like, you know, maybe speed up the build or refactor this. Area That has been really bad and we've known what we've wanted to do for a while, but haven't been able to have the time, you know, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that, but the other three lanes would all be every week set to a feature. So you had three features that were your focus for the week and mm-hmm. they each had their own set of tickets to go through. And then there was always uh, one pair of people on each of those lanes at all times. So there was always something moving in every lane. And all kind of interrelated, which I think gives you that focus instead of just a stream of juror tickets. Right. And then the next week, we'd pick the next focuses. Well, and that's also, too, where the autonomy comes in. Yes. You, you have to trust
1: that people are going to make good decisions. And I, I don't know that that trust has to be blind. I think people do need to earn that trust because that's just human nature. And if you betray that trust, you need to have a discussion about that. You know, if it's been six months and your your project's not moving forward, but you have like really nailed down this design or whatever, like you really got all the bike sheds painted the right colors. Like, so what? You didn't, you have to move the project forward too, right? Right. You can't spend your whole life like reinventing RPC or whatever. Like you have to move the project forward. So I think there's that whole, that, that hangs in tension and you need to surround you, you have to build teams to accommodate that. Like you can't build your team filled with people who like have built RPC and distributed systems before. Cause that's like the fastest way you're going to end up with a Paxos on this, on this blog. <laughs> so you, you have, have to build your teams around people who are like motivated and you have to give them goals and you have to give them autonomy. So that's the main thing. And
0: then, and then they have to figure out how to work together.
1: Right, because but that's, that's but, super and, important. And, and like, and then, and, and the, the, really, at that point, you're just facilitating. You're facilitating a team coming together and going through those four activation steps or whatever of the forming and storming and the norming and whatever
0: the heck they're called. Oh yeah, all the orms. So I just recently started to stand up uh, a blog for my company, Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. my my daughter, she's going to school for English, and I was telling her about Tuckman's Tuckman's. Uh, Stages of team development. Oh right, and yeah, so that's she, the ormings.
1: She, yeah, yeah. She wrote a post on it. I'm really, I'm kind of in a post orm world. I think orms are pretty complex.
0: <laughs> oh, we could go talk about that too. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, transition, I cut, sorry, no, no, transition want to number two. What your daughter two? said? She's, oh, she's well, studying uh, English. Well, you you can uh, you you should. I think she'd appreciate feedback on the post. It's a blog dot you We will look.
1: link. We will link to this. Um,
0: it's the only post on there right now. Uh, there's like 15 of them that I need to go through, and because she edited a bunch of stuff that I wrote, and, nice. and we'll will uh, I need to go back through them and fix them up and get them out there. But uh, that one right there, I think you just brought that up, so I thought it goes along with it. I thought you might, she might appreciate your feedback, Chris, because. She loves hearing from you when she was editing. <laughs>
1: oh, great. <laughs> I'm such a terrible writer though. Like if you go look at my forum posts,
0: they're barely English. I don't know. Let's let's go back to this ORM thing though. Hang on.
1: No, <laughs> Speaking no. Speaking of oh, Okay. No, I'll put a pin in that. I want to pop the stack oh, oh. exactly once and go back to Okay. I I want to talk about I want to talk uh, uh, about the good idea fairy. Right. Okay. So what this is a thing that happens all the time in teams and it actually it's it happens in startups constantly. Like this was the the quintessential thing that I saw startups do. And this mm-hmm. is why most of them like pivot and find other other things and whatever. So the thing is is like you start with a premise. And the premise might be your design, it might be your company's business goals, it might be all these this product, uh, you know, it could be anything. It also could be how you're going to structure this database call or whatever. And then you get, and you think to yourself, like, this isn't going to be that bad because I I can, like, high level think through all the steps that I need to do. And then you get into the middle of it and you realize, actually, this is, like, really hard. Mm. Like, this is difficult. And so, what do you do? Well... What a lot of people do is they completely revise the entire problem statement so it doesn't have to do any of that hard stuff anymore. And then <laughs> they seek like this new thing, right? The, like the good ideas come along and they're like, oh, well, we could just not do this. We could just totally not do it. It'd be like trying to scale a service and then going, hey, you know what the best way to scale the service is? Like, let's just not send it as much traffic. It's like, okay, yes, that works. <laughs> But you didn't solve the problem, right? Like that's not that's not how you solve that problem. Uh, you're well, just maybe. sort of you're just choosing a new problem, <laughs> and and so that's what happens. I think a lot with like design, especially when you give people just enough autonomy to, and free time, uh, and and a lack of goals. That's what ends up happening, right? Uh, what did- is you start you start inventing problems, or you start down a design path. And realize that the problem you're solving is hard. It's necessarily hard. And in fact, it's hard on purpose. It's hard because that's why you're a business. Like, that's why you're doing yeah. the thing, right? If it was easy, people would just replace you with Excel. <laughs> like, you, you, you're only in business because you're solving a hard problem. Um, and, and what happens is, like, people hit that hard problem or this, like, this problem with their design. And then they implode. And they don't work through the design problems. They don't like step back and really write out the problem statement and write down like, what is it I need to do? What prior art can I pull from? Is there any experiences I've had that led to this place that might inform this design decision? Is there a paper I should go read, right? Whatever. And you don't work through that. You just solve a different problem that you feel like is easier.
0: And I I think that's why, why the team is so important and why some teams fail is because it's it's really easy to do that on your own. It's even easier to do that whenever you have a loosely grouped team instead of a, a more tightly knit team because you're not holding each other to that higher standard. And then, and also why you need different personalities and different types of people on a team because otherwise yes, you're going exactly. to end up always going down the same path. And I think to have a successful product, you need to go down, you need to have people going down multiple paths and thinking in lots of different ways. Yes. Uh, and, and that takes everybody from an expert in four different, different people, experts in different technologies, mm-hmm. as well as the the new guy or gal on the team that has never written any code outside of a project in a six month long class on programming, you know? Right. No, exactly. Exactly. That diversity of thought is
1: so important to teams because that's how you, that's how you persevere. That's like how you come up with the good ideas and you test your ideas ahead of time, as long as you don't have someone running away and just doing it all themselves the quickest way they know how to do it. Like if you have people who can take the time and just will take, 30 minutes of their life and sit down and actually work out the problem and talk about design and bounce ideas off each other. Like that's how you're going to persevere through the problem.
0: This and is think, why co-located spaces have whiteboards.
1: Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. And I actually think, I, I honestly do think that this is, this is one of the main struggles I've personally had doing remote work. Um, because I think you do lose a ton, a ton of fidelity when all of a sudden you can't just read everybody else's body language and like draw on the whiteboard and all that kind of stuff, like, mm-hmm. and give everybody time to respond and like have a meeting with it. You just miss out. Cause like, how do you know that person, you know, that, 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 like, how do you know that one person is just, isn't just thinking. How do you, like you might assume if they're not like involved in the conversation actively that they're not engaged or they don't have an opinion? But actually, what might be happening is they're just thinking, like they're just thinking, and that's actually sort of, in my opinion, easier to tell when you can actually read people's body language. Like if you have like a GitHub issue, so this is where the asynchronous work thing kind of breaks down for me. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I really like this idea of, like, oh, yeah, everything's asynchronous. But actually, like, typing is much harder. It's, like, much harder to convey intent when you don't hear tone of voice and you don't catch body language and see people, like, gesturing with their hands and see people how, like, how they're reacting to things and all that kind of stuff. Like, that the, all that fidelity is lost, right? So, you have to convey it all in text, which is mm-hmm. way harder. And especially in English, where we don't have quite enough words that are descriptive enough to really mean how you feel about things. yeah And so... That's part of it. And the other part is like most asynchronous stuff isn't asynchronous. Like what most people are calling asynchronous work is like Slack conversations, which are right. garbage for making design decisions. Just absolutely terrible for making design mm-hmm. decisions.
0: Get on a video chat.
1: Well, <laughs> I mean, but like maybe that's not possible, right? Like if you're doing remote work, like maybe that's not a thing, right? There's even at uh, BR, we're only in, we're across the country. And I don't think we have remote people overseas anymore that we active that I actively work with yeah but there's only like four hours of the day where we have any overlap at all and most of those are inconvenient and like people have to take lunches and so it's just not that's not totally possible but the other problem is like if you only give it a day in github on some github issue and then you windmill slam like a pr on top of that (laughs) that's not really asynchronous work at all is it Like it was asynchronous. If you happen to be there at the time, which sort of invalidates the entire point. Right. So I think like those things end up being like really, really, really tricky too. And that, and that's like, that feeds back into this, it feeds back into this negative cycle where you sort of optimize for the people who are the loudest who get the most done quote unquote, regardless of what at at like at, at any cost. Right. And the people who end up like, I mean, honestly, like some of the, the best people, the people that like I'm calling to my like I'm gonna like go pull for my team if I'm if I could just like construct a team mm-hmm. are people who are the quietest. Oh yeah. Because they're the ones who are just like, What do we gotta do? Okay, sounds good, let's do it. And then they just like <laughs> unflappably go and solve the problem.
0: Yeah, I went them. And I want the people who ask tons and tons of questions.
1: Right. Yeah. Who like <laughs> actively sort of engage in the process and they say, what are the product requirements? This and why are we doing this? And what's going on? And they can distill down like the thing that they actually need to go do. And then they just go do it. And there's no complaining. And you can kind of discuss like, hey, we're thinking about this design trade off. What do you think? I think this or that. And like, All right, let's go for it. And then if that doesn't work, you just sort of kind of like solve the problem. Like those people are great. The problem is, is like we don't tend to reward that because. The job description is do what we've asked you to do.
0: So so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an analogy for, for picking people on the team based on the blues winning the Stanley Cup last night. So I just dated us, I guess. Sorry, we're not evergreen. We're not evergreen. <laughs> I'd worked so hard. <laughs> Sorry. I just realized after it came out of my mouth. But mm. uh so in hockey, they have a uh um a statistic called a plus minus rating. Mm-hmm. And it uh, is it's a like rate. a resistor. It's like a resistor's tolerances. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, it has a plus and a minus. You are correct. <laughs> it's 10 ohms. It's like a statistical plus or minus range. 5%. Uh, so, so it's not. It's that yellow band. Gotta watch out like for that it, yellow band. <laughs> it's easy to give credit to the person who scores a goal mm-hmm. over and over and over. But a plus-minus rating is not based on whether you scored a goal. It's based on whether a goal was scored while you were on the ice. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you could have a huge plus-minus rating and have never scored a goal in your life. Right. It's like an assist. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it, just it, it's it's a way to encapsulate you didn't, like like you didn't team even playership. It. Right. Because maybe you're just good at like saying hey over there. You know, like <laughs> that. That could be the reason why it's good. Uh, right. So, I, I don't know. I, I think of plus-minus ratings when I think of people on teams a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, Craig Buchek, friend of the show, uh, is the one who actually brought this plus-minus rating thing up to me many years ago. That it was a thing, and I thought it was it was an amazing idea to capture because, right? You may not be the most technically savvy. You may not be the person who types the most. You may not be the person who talks the most. But you still bring something to the team, and and mm-hmm. so. Just keep that plus minus rating really high.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think there's, there's definitely tons of people like that who I've worked with in, in, in my career who are just, yeah, they're just like, you just want those people on your team because they're, they're there to do good work and they're there to just put their heads down and get work done. And like, they empower every team that they're on Mm -hmm. and they're not, it's not like they're unopinionated either. You know, they have opinions Right. It's just that they don't feel compelled to sort of force them on everybody.
0: They're not like us.
1: Well, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> they don't have podcasts where they complain about stuff.
0: Uh, and and then some of the other, the best people that I've also had on a team are just the ones that are really good about making sure that everyone's opinions are heard. Mm-hmm. Like they don't even have to bring anything technically. If you're just making sure that that everyone's talking and keeping everybody on track, that can be... That's, that's an amazing job in and of itself.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, all that stuff adds up really quickly. And and teams are, like I said before, like success is not driven by individuals. Success is driven by teams. Like you win as a team and you lose as a team and you and you have to work together as a team. And that's just like, that's part of this game. And I've been fortunate to work on a lot of like really great teams who really got that. Um, we're t- like tons of dysfunctional teams that totally didn't get that <laughs> too. Uh, and And I, I don't think there's like, there's all these rubrics and like kind of rules of thumb to try to build better teams and do that. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, you really have to, it's each, each case it's case by case, right? Like you have to work within that framework that you're given with those people on that project and, and try to solve those problems again. Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah. Every, every time I've been on uh, all the good ones, they, I mean, they have some things that are the same between them, but a lot of it is, I think, Right people, right place, right time.
1: Oh yeah, I, uh-huh. I mean, absolutely. Well, and just yeah, lots and lots of circumstance, and then and figuring out how to work around those circumstances takes a ton of introspection because you have to sort of be able to unravel the mess that is, you know, life. I mean, if this was if this was a solved problem, like you could, I
0: mean, everybody would do it, right? Yeah. How many books are there on how to build a team? Right. I mean, Tons. yeah. That's why
1: this is not this, 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 people are hard,
0: right? Math is easy. People are hard.
1: People are <laughs> hard. Amos, uh,
0: I've got to. I've got to get out of here pretty soon. Just a few minutes. So uh, we never got to our orm ing, but maybe next time. Forming, forming, norming, storming. I'm performing. forming
1: opinions about orms. <laughs> I'm storming opinions. I'm <laughs> storming about orms.
0: We're storming, yeah. Well, maybe one day we'll will be we'll do some norming on, mm-hmm. on ORM's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It's only an object relational mapper if you have objects in your language, though. That's the key takeaway. Well, that's true. So basically, no, no, there can't be ORMs in El- in Elixir. So There's it's no just, objects.
0: It's just erming, erming. Yeah, relational mapping. Murming. Erming, erming, <laughs> or merming. Erming map relational mapping. <laughs> i didn't want to sh- say sh- I, I didn't wa- i did well i didn't want to say that because i know your opinions on structs
1: mm, i don't care so, my opinion on structs is i don't freaking care Smerming. do whatever makes you happy <laughs> whatever helps you sleep at night as they say
0: it's, it's just another field man it's just another field mm-hmm. all right <laughs> all right on that note, not we better get out of here all right thanks thanks for catching up with me today i'll talk later, to you man. later chris